Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today in the first reading of the Mass, the Church proposes a passage from the first book of, of Samuel, and it introduces us to Samuel himself, who became a great, a great prophet. He was very important in choosing Saul, who would be the king of uh, the first king of Israel and also in guiding king David he would have a very important role in the, the in the dynasties uh, that would uh, that would follow and um, we get an account today from chapter 3 of his vocation vocation really of a of a great prophet but it's worthwhile going back and seeing the background to that vocation because, of course, the book starts with chapter 1. And there we get an account of uh, his mother, Hannah. Hannah was uh, childless and she eagerly wanted to bear children and so she went to the temple of uh, Shiloh it was a city on the West Bank before, of course, this is before the Davidic dynasty had begun. So there was no temple yet in Jerusalem. In fact, Jerusalem was not yet the, the main city of the people of Israel. Instead, she went to a smaller temple in this Samaritan city or, or in the province of Samaria called Shiloh. And there she prayed very, very ardently. Not only that, but you could see as she was praying in the sanctuary that her lips were moving and and the, the priest of Shiloh in the temple, his name was Eli, with a complete lack of pastoral refinement, said, why are you drunk at this time in the morning, moving your, moving your lips? You know, he thought she was like, she'd already had too much to drink. And so he's obviously a pretty flaky guy, and she, he, she explains that um, no, no, she's she's praying for a son, and he in turn had two sons, who also became priests, Hophni, and uh, Pinehas, and well, it's it's pretty amazing how bad they were. They were both corrupt, they were immoral, in fact. The book of Samuel itself says that they were scoundrels and had no regard for the Lord. So that is the description of those two sons. And in fact, they ended ended up quite badly. 
but that is the situation. And, well, Eli had tried to rebuke his sons for their immoral behavior because they would, you know, people would bring things to the temple and they would take them for themselves and they would have these, these great meals with all the offerings that people would bring in and they would, uh, they would have immoral lifestyles of all kinds. And uh, he tried to rebuke their behavior, even their sacrilegious behavior in the temple, but they just just didn't listen. It was pretty bad. It was a, like a bad atmosphere in a corrupt um, priestly caste there. And amazingly enough, despite that, Hannah's, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, brings the child to the temple to have him brought up by Eli. Like, that's the last place I would bring him. Uh, but she does that. She is convinced that there's something about her child that that means he has to be brought up there into that temple. And in fact, in the second chapter, it says that the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. He continued to grow in stature and favor. It's a similar phrase that is used with regards to our Lord after Mary and Joseph find him in the temple He'd been in the temple now. He goes and he 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 grew in 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 wisdom, right? It's something like that in uh, in wisdom wisdom and regard to the Lord, right? as he lived with Mary and Joseph. Here, Samuel is living in the temple. But um, but then at one point comes a man on the scene. He is. Uh, well, he's an anonymous prophet, and he gives a very dire warning about these wicked sons of Eli and his descendants, and really all bad priests. And it's a, it's a very, it's a very uh, sort of dire, difficult warning, and about those who, who mistreat the temple and so forth. And though the, the, the prophecy itself does mention those two sons, it is often applied to all bad priests uh, of the Old Testament, like Josias, in the time of Josias, uh, or those priests that sometimes came back after the exile in Babylon and didn't always properly uh, purify the temple. But of course, especially these two, and even Eli himself, because it was under Eli, and that's the big prophecy that is made, is under the, it, it is under Eli that the Ark of the Covenant will be lost or stolen by the, by the Philistines who destroy the temple, in fact, probably even destroyed all of Shiloh, and, uh, and make off with it. I mean, the most precious thing that the Jews had was the Ark of the Covenant, and it was all destroyed, and it was under the apparent watchful eye of Eli. And so that prophecy, that, that uh, anonymous prophet then says, okay, after all these priests will do a bad job, he says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house and they will minister before my anointed one always. 
beautiful uh, prophecy, of course, of the coming of Christ, who will be the mediator between God and man, and that he in turn will bring ministers who will who will act in front of the anointed one. Christ is the anointed one, he's the Christ. And it's a, it's a prophecy of the new priesthood in the New Testament. And, uh, of course, the heights of pre all priesthood comes in the figure of Christ. And, and all priests in the New Testament take their origin from Christ himself, not from the Old Testament uh, priests who were men of the temple and the Levit Levitical priesthood, but rather the priesthood now based on the Anointed One, based on Christ. In fact, that phrase, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, is, uh, is also applied in the Mass of St. Josemaria, when in the, I think it's used in the uh, entrance antiphon, as we enter there, we, we, I will raise up a faithful priest. Well, it's applied also to our Father, who is one of the many, many faithful priests in the Church. Now, there have been, in these times, we've heard a lot about malfeasance of, of a number of priests, but, but still, they, they all have their origin in, in the high priest, the main faithful priest, which is Christ. And, uh, and it's an occasion for us uh, to pray for, well, to pray for all priests, and also to ask the Lord to make us more faithful to our, our own baptismal vocation, because in our baptismal vocation, we, we also share in the priesthood of Christ, in what we call the common priesthood of the faithful. And so, when we have all this preface, we come to chapter 3, which is about the call of Samuel. Now, the first reading omits the first line from chapter 3, which is, says that now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There, were, there was no frequent vision. The word of the Lord was rare. And, uh, and there were no visions. Uh, and uh, what, is, what does this mean? It was as though it was hard to see him, hard to hear him, as though the Lord were, were not speaking to the people. And in our case, sometimes it can happen that the word of the Lord is rare, that we don't really feel him either listening to us or, or we don't hear him. Sometimes in our prayer, we can find ourselves... Uh, well, dry, and uh, we can't seem to hear what he's saying to us. We can't seem to discern. Or let's say, we don't always come out of our prayer enriched, rejuvenated, or transformed. Well, let's look at the temple scene here. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see 
he was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down within the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And oh, it doesn't start well. He's lying down. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's asleep. So everybody, Eli, including Samuel, they're all asleep. They're in the temple. They're in such a sacred place. Everybody is asleep. In the Bible, generally, the idea of sleep is not usually associated with proactive listening. Sleep is usually something that is attributed to those who are passive and not really engaged. It's also referred to for somebody who's dying. When a person dies, they say he's, he fell asleep in the Lord. Like when St. Stephen was stoned, he was, says he, he fell asleep in the Lord. And, and other passages referred to that. Or he went to sleep. You know, King David, it is referred to. You know, he went to sleep with his fathers. Okay. But also, you know, the, the idea of sleepiness, like when... when um, when uh, who was it uh, Elijah Elijah fled after after he he fled from killing all the the, the prophets of Baal and uh, and then he said oh, I'm too tired I'm just going to sleep down by this broom tree here and pass out and uh, he had just confronted uh, Ahab and he flees uh, and he was fleeing for his life but he was too tired didn't realize he still had a mission to to do. But then, after he lies down and falls asleep, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. You still have a long way to go. You still have stuff to do. Move. So sleep is, is not always a positive thing in that sense. So, does that happen to me that I get a little bit too passive, too asleep in my prayer? Not really engaged not really actively listening to what you are saying to me, like even right now, if I am just passively sitting here, how can I hear your voice, Lord, if I just sit back and expect you to speak audibly to me? Let's talk to him now as we do our prayer because he is listening and you too are listening to what he has to say from the scriptures, from words that you hear. And we can ask him now in our prayer, give me greater light, give me greater understanding about myself, give me a greater understanding about how I myself am answering to your call. Because if I'm here, it's because of your call. Help me to be more engaged proactively, not just in the work that I have to do, because I know you have work to do today and things to do, or you have plans, many things that have to be done, but proactive in the spirit of dialogue, just at the way you do your norms today, just at the way you do your norms. You can already picture, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this reading, I'm going to do the rosary at this time. Uh, there are different things to do today. You can see this in men who really pray. And people like Pope St. John, John Paul II 
in many ways you could say he was a mystic. Anytime he arrived at one place and was invited to kneel down, he would, you could see there was something active going on there. He wasn't moving, he was just, it was just seemed to be focused, but he wasn't, he wasn't passive. I think you could see that with Pope Benedict as well. I could see it with Don Alvaro, I'm sure many other people. And we must have that too. We must have that too. If we come into the oratory, we come here, we make a genuflection, we stop for a moment to pray, or when we come into our prayer, there's something active going on. I'm listening to you. And, and if I'm listening, you're going to speak and I'm going to get something out of my prayer. Even out of this meditation. This can happen when we do our prayer. This can happen in the midst of our daily work. Like that famous line of our father in the forge. He said, in the midst of the din of the throng, know how to find silence of soul in a lasting conversation with our Lord. People who know how to look at him as they look at a father, as they look at a friend, as they look at someone with whom they are madly in love. If that, if that could be said about the way we pray, that we're looking at a father, at a friend, at somebody whom we're, whom we're madly in love with. We can even look at the saints like that. Somebody who consoles us, somebody whom we know who intercedes for us. Today is... Uh, Saint Anthony of Padua and uh, our father had a great devotion to Saint Anthony of Padua he even had a little statue of our uh, of Saint Anthony and uh, you know Saint Anthony he liked uh, animals and and our father said well he was a little donkey himself so I'm like a little donkey so Saint Anthony can pray for me today people bring their animals to Saint to not to Saint Anthony but they, they bring their animals to church to get them blessed because uh, St. Anthony liked animals or protected animals. Well, I'm like a little donkey. So we ask, St. Anthony, wherever you are, pray for us. We want to be like good donkeys too as we work hard today. So then, of course, comes this uh, famous passage of today. Everybody's there asleep. Everybody's there, passed out in the temple. It's quiet. The lamp is still on to suggest that, well, God is still there. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, he said. I mean, you can just see him bounce up. Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. It's like, get out of here. I'm sleepy, you know. Like this complete uh, disregard for something important happening to this young boy. I mean, I would imagine he was 13, 12, 13 years old. He's a, he's a kid. He's still being brought up by Eli. Or Eli, whatever you want to call him. But uh, I did not call. Lie down. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. 
my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again, the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. It took a while, but... uh, Therefore, Lee said to Samuel, Okay, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears, or your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood forth, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. And I tell him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew. And he goes on to talk about, of course, the bad sons and, and what's going to happen to Eli himself. But Samuel now was kind of instituted as that new servant. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. It's a beautiful aspiration. It's a beautiful phrase that we can say, here I am. Ich ego. Quevocastime. Here I am. And alone, he would never have acted. He would never really have uh, really responded. He was kind of lost. And it shows us also that of the importance of, uh, well, of his choice of vocation, the importance of Eli, despite the fact that Eli was going to finish badly. He was not perfect. He had his flaws. He had his limitations even his corrupt sons. But nevertheless, Eli serves as, a, as, a, as an instrument for Samuel to discover his vocation, to discover what task the Lord had prepared for him. We have to discover what the Lord is saying to us, you could say, from inside. What plan God has for us, in general for our life and for our day-to-day activities. Every day he has, he's saying to us something. He's, he's giving your name, Samuel, Samuel. So put your name there. And we have to say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I am listening. There was a, an article recently in the Osservatorio Romano, the official newspaper of uh, Vatican City, by uh, Giovanni De Marchi, in which he connected the famous movie Chariots of Fire with that line of our father about peeling potatoes. This movie Chariots of Fire came out about 40 years ago in 1981. I still remember when it came out and uh, nobody expected it to win any Oscars but it won like four Oscars including it won Best Picture and I think it won Best Musical Score by Vangelis um, and uh, just amazing music by Vangelis and um, 
the the opening scene is is just you just want to stay there and watch it. Uh, it's the scene of all these English runners on a beach in slow motion on a beach somewhere wherever they were, I guess in England. And in the background is is the Vangelis music um, of these uh, that 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 later became very famous. And uh, the story is about these English athletes in the 1925. Uh, Olympics, or the 1924 rather, Olympics in Paris. One of them, his name is Harold Abrams, he's a Jewish um, athlete. The other one is a Scotsman, who, uh, his name is uh, uh, Eric Little. And uh, they are companions and they face all kinds of difficulties, there's hostility to them when they go to Paris. Um, but one of the cornerstones of this movie, of course, is the importance of prayer and the importance of seeking God's will from within, discerning what God really, really wants. And uh, Eric Little is uh, he's from the Church of Scotland, so he's Protestant, but uh, um, he, he says that faith and prayer can be compared to, he says, running in a, in a, in a race. He says it's hard. It requires concentration of will, of energy, of soul. And he says it also when living within the naturalness of daily life. So you, you have to, you know, you write, and it goes back to these scenes of him running there, right? And there's a great scene where he is uh, in one of the trials and uh, he's running and, uh, and he gets pushed off the side, right? And he falls, uh, just, uh, and then in slow motion, you see him tumbling there. And then he gets back up again, and he actually ends up, despite falling, he actually uh, wins the race, right? And, uh, and, uh, and the famous line that he says, because his, his parents are missionaries and they insist that he not run, they don't think it's a, I don't know, it's a godly pursuit, but he believes it is. And, and he tries to transmit this to his parents by telling his sister, he says to his sister, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I feel his pleasure. So he made us for a purpose, but he made you also good in what you do. In the work of the administration here, in dealing with uh, young girls, giving them formation, talking to them, made you good in what you do. And it's very important to, to, to feel God's pleasure when you're pushing the buttons, when you're preparing the meals, when you're cleaning, when you're doing things that maybe some people don't feel God's pleasure in that. As you're, as you're mopping, as you're going through those tasks, do you feel God's pleasure? Or always going, oh, she, oh she's, look at, look at her, oh, she's, oh, oh she's, you know, she's like an athlete, she's going to get the gold medal for that. And he explains, Eric Diddle explains that he feels the power from within, and he taps on his chest, I feel the power from within. And one understands that, that uh, without clearly understanding how that he's referring to that power is the power of grace, the power of, of prayer, 
There's a wonderful scene where he goes to the to the to the Church of Scotland and he reads from the passage of Isaiah, and all the eyes are fixed on him. And he explains that from Isaiah 40, he gives power to the faint and strength to the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. And all while he's saying this, you see, cuts back and forth to the to the straining of the athletes. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's where his father also says, you can glorify God peeling potatoes if you peel them to perfection. But Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to feel your pleasure as I peel potatoes, as I do my work here, as I listen. And I want to really be able to say with Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I, Lord, I'm going to listen to you now in the prayer more carefully. And I'm going to listen to you when I work, when I do my things, because when I listen, I can hear you. And I can feel your pleasure. And thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.